Hey there, I'm Summer Ames, and you're listening to the Invest Your Skills podcast, a podcast for skilled professionals to learn how to transition from corporate life into building a profitable online business with the help of something you already have. If you've ever thought about owning your time and being in control of your lifestyle, all while enjoying the work you do each day, keep listening because you're getting all the details to invest your skills. everyone. Welcome back to another week on the Invest Your Skills podcast. I'm excited and really ready to dive into this week's episode because we're going to talk about something super tactical that can be done before a launch of a product or the launch of a new business. And it's commonly known as building an organic following. I work with so many new entrepreneurs that are smart, that are skilled, that are driven. They're really ready to get going. And they're usually in a, in, when I start talking to them, they're usually in a space where they want to get started, but maybe they aren't ready to pinpoint a product or a service. And there's also the same group who says, you know what, I really need to be able to have a strategy outside of just maybe Facebook ads or Google ads. And these people want to know what they can be doing today. And what I say is that today you can and they can build an organic growth following before you ever launch your full out business with your product and your services. This is a place that you can begin connecting with your audience because they are always the number one thing in your business. One of the hardest things many entrepreneurs have is getting specific about who their customers or their specific audiences. And the more specific you can get, the better off you'll be when you start building content and products. You'll need to learn a lot about these people because you're going to want to attract them and you're going to want to impact them when you grow their business. And the best way to do that is creating that connection early. This way, when you're wondering about one topic idea that you think they'll be interested in and another topic idea that you think solves a problem they have, they can actually tell you if it's something that they want or that they need. Do I sound pumped? I feel like I sound pumped. Just before I did the recording for this episode, I recorded the new introduction for my podcast. And it's really funny because I'm like, yes, I need to be really excited in my intro because people are going to hear this over and over and over again. And the other half of me is like, well, don't get too excited, Summer, because if you don't sound like you're gonna yourself, they're going to know that that isn't really like what you normally sound like. So anyways, I am super high energy because of it because I was getting my energy high and and trying to bring it back down and, and being an app somewhere in the middle. Anyway, building an organic growth funnel is the perfect way to get started with little or no money, even if you're not ready to sell. If you are serious about organic growth as part of your overall business or launch strategy, it is going to be your job to show up in the places that you're going to learn about often and consistently so you start building the trust with your specific audience. Regardless of the business model that you are creating, organic growth is important for your business, and there's three big reasons why. First, free traffic. Organic growth means people are finding out about you without you getting together a Facebook ads campaign. People are reading your content, and they are sharing that content, and they are being driven to learn more about you, more about your business, and more about your brand. 
The second thing that organic growth helps with is authority. When somebody finds you for the very first time, whether that be on social, on a blog, on YouTube, however they find you, if you already have content there for them to consume, they're going to already look at you like an authority about whatever the topic is that you're discussing with them that drove them to come learn more about you. And being an authority in your space and feeling like an authority helps both you feel more confident in yourself and for others to trust you more. The last reason that organic growth is important for your business is is trust. So people come to you and they see that you're an authority on the topic. And the longer they hang out with you, the more and more they trust you because you show up the way you're going to show up. You have a message that inspires them or motivates them to do something. And they will trust you when the time comes for you to launch a product or service. Here's where organic growth really helps new entrepreneurs and new businesses. Launching an organic growth strategy can be used to your advantage advantage even if you know that you aren't ready to launch, but you are ready to get comfortable with moving forward. There are five different ways that growing an audience early can help you. The first thing it can help you do is get clear on your message. Here's the reality. You are going to write the most awesome message of your life when you start your business. And your message is going to turn around and it's going to change the more you engage out there with other people on your thoughts and your ideas and your views. And that's completely okay. And it's very, very common for new businesses to go through this growth pain. The next benefit is see what types of things your audience is latching on to. I like to ask a lot of questions to my audience, and I do this for two reasons. One, I'm just genuinely curious. I'm a very curious person. And two, I want to find out where my audience really sits on a topic. Because more times than not, I've been like, oh, my audience is absolutely going to love this concept or love this idea or love this topic. And then it's like crickets. And it's frustrating when you get to the point where you're creating and you think you're coming up with these awesome things and no one is interested. And as you start with organic growth and building that relationship, you can start testing what concepts and ideas that your audience is interested in and see what they latch onto and let that really be the driver for where you go with your business and your your message and your products and your services. The third benefit of an organic growth following early on is performing market research. So I already gave you an example just a second ago, asking questions to your audience. That's more or less performing market research. One of the places that we see people do that most commonly is social media. Everyone's always asking questions. You've got both Twitter and Facebook. They have poll mechanisms to make answering questions easier, maybe even more anonymous in case people want to talk about more hot button topics or anything like that. But another way that you can perform market research is with an email list, which I always recommend people start day one if they can as soon as they're going going through this organic growth strategy because you may not be ready to have a consistent communication with them now. But there are ways that you can warm your audience back up. And one of those ways that you can keep engaged with your audience at some point is by just popping in and saying, hey, how are you? And I'm going to be working on, you know, maybe a course on XYZ. Are you more interested in this topic or that topic? Now, these people are already interested in you because they gave you their email address, which means they want to communicate further. This is a perfect audience to ask questions to and perform market research before you ever worry about a product or service. The fourth benefit is pretty self-explanatory. You'll already have someone to sell your product or service to once you're ready to actually launch it. Last but most certainly not least, building an organic growth strategy early is another way to get people to know you, like you, and trust you in, in advance of a sale. 
We've talked about being an authority. We've talked about trusting. And people want to know you, like you, and trust you before they're going to spend their time and money on you. And this is why it's so important to build this relationship early and maintain the relationship, especially for personal brands who are trying to make that connection on both a personal level and a business level. Before you can benefit, you first need to build. So you need to select an organic growth channel that makes sense for your business. And I always recommend something that I've kind of started calling social media plus. Examples of this are Facebook and doing Facebook lives consistently in a group, Instagram plus a podcast, Twitter plus your blog. This two-part system allows for shareability that is known for on social media. It's the whole purpose of social media. It's to share with each other. So you share this content rather than the content itself just living by itself, alone, in a silo, you aren't just crossing your fingers and hoping you hit a keyword search. You are using social media to help grow your audience and grow your confidence and grow your authority in whatever space that you're in. Organic growth does not happen overnight. So the sooner that you can start building an organic following, the better off your business is going to be if you know you're going to be reliant on it for some heavy lifting when you get to the point of marketing a product or a service. From here, this is where you need to start making some early decisions for your business. You're going to want to select your content channel and you're going to want to select your social media channel. Honestly, it doesn't matter where you start first because you can always make a change later. I'm going to say that again. You can always change what channel you use. But what I do want to recommend is that you remain consistent in that one channel that you choose for a pretty good length of time before you jump ship. Because here's what's going to happen. As you get more comfortable in that space, as you, I don't want to jump into too much of the content that we're about to get into, but you're going to find pretty early that whatever you pick, unless you do it every single day naturally, there's going to be a learning curve for you and you have to get comfortable. And the only way to get comfortable is with practice. So just remember, if you find out that you don't love something, you don't have to do it forever. How, but I want to caution you to give it some time first so that you can start feeling comfortable and then determine if you don't like the channel you chose because you're uncomfortable or because it's something you just really don't love. So let's dive into one of the first content channels that are very popular right now, and that's Facebook Lives. You'll see a lot of people that are creating Facebook groups specifically, but a lot of people are using their Facebook business page like this as well, but they are creating a place for all of the people that they want to connect with, and they are going live and having discussions in their groups all the time. Many moons ago, I used to sell a makeup product and I know that everybody else in the same company, in the same business that I was working in, everybody was creating these Facebook groups and jumping on and going live and putting on their makeup. But let me tell you, in the beginning, I was horrible. I remember my very first live. I still have this group, um, which is going to have this video and I need to go download it now that I think about it. But I went live and I was so scared, you guys. I was actually shaking. I had my notes because I didn't want to forget what I wanted to talk about. It was the first time I've ever done any sort of live, even for personal or otherwise. I was so far out of my comfort zone. And then I just kept doing it once a week, twice a week. I 
would show up and I would put on makeup and I would talk about products or, you know, what the heck ever. Usually it was putting on makeup. I used to do funny faces and everything. Halloween was always a hoot. So anyways, I got to the point where I don't know if anybody would have paid to watch me, but people thought it was entertaining and they liked it enough where they would go back, even if they couldn't partake in the live, to see what look I was doing, to hear what I was talking about, whatever. And to this day, just, just the other day I posted about my makeup days because I ran across a picture I really loved and people still talk about it. Everyone's like, oh, I used to love when you used to do all your makeup when you go live. Just keep in mind that you don't have to be awesome at something right away. It is something that just you get comfortable with. Facebook Live, yeah, it's really scary and it's intimidating and I'm back to being horrible at it. But I too am just practicing. So in my Skill Investors Insiders community, what I've started doing is a mo- almost always weekly. I need to be more consistent. Sometimes I miss a week, but I do this thing called Teach It Tuesday. It's like a little mini mastermind. I go into sometimes more in-depth information there than I will here because I can do a screen share and I can do Q&As a little easier and things like that. So if you've been toying with the idea of a Facebook Live strategy as being your main content driver, here's some questions that you can start asking yourself. Will you be going live at the same time consistently? Do you want to do it weekly, bi-weekly, monthly? Whichever you pick, make sure it makes sense for both the content that you're creating as well as the people that you're trying to talk to with your content. Second thing, make sure you're remaining consistent. You may not be perfect, but really try and shoot. If you're going to go live weekly, go live weekly and try and go live at the same time. If you want to have like a little daily talk show, make sure that you're always showing up at eight o'clock. Creating this usual routine helps you become of somebody, become part of somebody else's usual routine. Another question you want to ask yourself is, do you have the right equipment? Now, in this day and age, you can do so much with so little, but just keep in the back of your head. Do you have the right device? Do you have, do you have a phone? Do you have a laptop? Do you have an iPad? Do you have some way for there to be video where people can see you and you can go live? Also, do you have good lighting? You don't need to have the best lighting necessarily, but if you're stuck somewhere that's really dark and people can't see you, they're also going to get like, ooh, I can't really see that person, so I don't really know what's going on, so I'm not going to tune in. So these are things to keep in the back of your head. A second common channel that people use to distribute content is podcasting right here. Some questions you can ask yourself are, are you willing to learn how to edit even just the basics yourself? Or are you going to be able to pay someone to edit your episodes for you? Do you feel comfortable talking to yourself into a microphone? Do you feel comfortable interviewing people? There's all different ways that you can build a podcast show, whether it's something educational and informational like this, whether it's interviews where there's two people happening. Maybe you have a podcast where you're going to be telling stories, whether they're fiction or non-fictional. You just need to think through these things because you will have to do this again consistently. So are you able to do these things consistently in podcast format? Another common content channel is blogging. If you think blogging might be for you, ask yourselves the questions, do you like writing? I actually have no second question there. Do you like writing? If you don't like writing, assuming you aren't paying for a full-time writer, I do not 
I repeat, I do not recommend that you become a blogger. I'm saving you from a lot of pain because as a blogger, you are going to be writing, writing, and writing. And I just want to make a distinction. There's a very big difference between not liking writing and not being good at writing. There was a point in my life where I was not good at writing, but I loved writing. And that's okay because that's one of those things much like for me in podcasting or me in Facebook Live land, I will eventually get better with practice and you will too as a blogger. But if you absolutely hate writing, you will not enjoy blogging and you will have the hardest time ever getting out the content at a consistent frequency and actually enjoying it when you're doing it. The last driver that I see a lot of people utilizing is also vlogging. So starting a YouTube channel. And a lot of the questions that I've already asked are the same here. Do you have the technology? Do you have the interest? Do you have the passion? Pick that channel and start moving forward with building your organic content strategy. Let's switch gears and now talk about your social media outlet. My first rule of advice for when you pick your social media outlet is to pick a platform your audience is on, not which platform you are most comfortable with. Your comfort doesn't matter if you don't have any customers that are hanging out there. So let's just go ahead and dive into the most common ones that are probably already at the top of your mind. And let's kick off with Facebook. So Facebook has so much going on. There's pages, there's groups, there's your own personal page, which Facebook does not like you selling from, but some people are doing it. Not high on my recommendation list, but your business, you get to make that risk decision for yourself. But Facebook is still the number one most used social media application on the entire planet. Here's the deal with Facebook. Facebook loves it when you use their platform. Facebook hates it when you try and send people away from its platform. So this is one of those places that if you're going to be a heavy blogger, you can absolutely use Facebook to try and drive organic traffic. However, Facebook is less likely to show your upcoming blog posts, those links, to your audience because it is going to take them away from the Facebook experience. And if there's one thing we all know about Facebook, they want you to scroll all day and night. So just keep that in the back of your mind. If you know you're going to be super content heavy and blogging, Facebook may not be the first channel you run to. That doesn't mean that you can't pick it up later. So just keep that little nugget of information in the back of your mind. The next most common, or maybe not the next, but one of the other most commonly chosen options is Instagram. Instagram's great because there's two areas you can post content. You have your grid and you have your stories and you can do a lot of different strategic things by using those two areas. You can use hashtags galore. I think next to Twitter, Instagram's probably the best when it comes to using hashtags, though dealing with hashtag strategy, whole different podcast episode, but you'll have that. One of the things that people don't necessarily always love about Instagram, unless they are in a field that's incredibly visual, is that the conversion is usually lower than Facebook in terms of driving traffic off the app. But it's great for people like influencers who don't need to necessarily drive traffic off the app. Rather, they are generating the traffic to themselves because they're an influencer or they're that type of brand that is super, super magnetic, especially in those visuals. That's not to say no one else in any of these other areas can be successful. Rather, the people that are able to pick those areas that are visually appealing just simply do better on Instagram because they're able to capture the attention of their audience and make them stop scrolling. Now, let's talk about Twitter. 
Twitter has really had a reemergence of relevancy. It was used a lot by corporate. It's still really used by corporate, but I feel like we are seeing more people use it for just about everything. Even a lot of different stars and actors and influencers are starting to have bigger and stronger presences on Twitter. Here are a couple of the easy things to know about Twitter to help you make a decision to determine if Twitter is a good forum for you. One, they have hashtags. If you need to know anything and it's something that might be hashtagable, it is definitely searchable and you can have everything from podcasts to blog posts to just commentary to Twitter threads. There's a lot of different ways that you can put content on Twitter and use a hashtag strategy. Please don't use too many hashtags because those appear to be frowned upon, but your business, your decisions, you do what you want to do with your strategy. Now, the next interesting thing about Twitter is that Twitter is the first to know everything. I saw this in action several years ago for the first time when it really started to hit home. I was working at a financial institution and I was in a coworker's office when one of the managers came by and she was a little frustrated because her employee rushed her off the phone and started complaining that something was happening outside their branch and she did a Google search and she couldn't find anything. Now, just so you know, this branch was near a college campus. If you've been around college campuses, protests aren't exactly uncommon, especially in some of these bigger universities. But nonetheless, I was like, huh, that's interesting. And I had just gotten one of my 37 attempts at having a Twitter account before I got serious, if you will, I went and looked on Twitter and I just typed in the city name of the branch. And as soon as I typed in the city name, I had so many pictures of people in the streets and of different things happening and of this protest that the employee was talking about. So I flipped my phone around and I said, is this the protest? And her eyes got really big and she's like, oh crap, like I need to go help my employee. We were too far away, would have taken a plane ride and some other stuff to, for her to get there physically. But there's a lot of things she could have done for that employee in the meantime. And if it wasn't for Twitter, she may have been wondering what's going on. She may not have been able to support her employee better so that when he's in crisis mode, he has support. So Twitter is one of those things. If you have a topic that is either controversial or just you like people to stay on top of things or just go somewhere where everybody likes to know everything, Twitter is a really good place to hang out. You can learn a lot and you can learn it quick. Just make sure to always check your resources if you learn something on Twitter and do your due diligence to do your research. Now, there is a pro and a con for everybody knowing everything first. The shelf life of a tweet is very short. If you don't have your tweet seen relatively soon after it's posted, maybe within the first couple of hours, it's highly probable that unless somebody with a huge following retweets it, a lot of people may not see it. Now, the plus to this means that you are able to post far more often on Twitter with your blog posts because they are link friendly or your podcast show notes or whatever it is that you're posting. You're able to do it more often without people getting frustrated because people are going to Twitter for two reasons, to connect and chat with other people like them on topics they're interested about and B, to share information. They are link friendly and I keep saying this because there are platforms like Facebook who are not link friendly. So I know that if I were to start being a blogger, I would probably utilize multiple channels because I have the bandwidth. However, if I were to start over again and I didn't have a lot of bandwidth, I'd probably start off with Twitter first because I have a better chance of getting more followers organically and quickly. 
These were just some of the big ones, but definitely remember LinkedIn if you have more of a corporate feel, TikTok if you feel comfortable with videos, YouTube. I mean, there's so many options out there in the social media realm. And just remember, again, go hang out where your audience is hanging out. If you're trying to market later on to a demographic that doesn't use Instagram, you should not be using Instagram to try and build your business. I want to wrap things up. But if you take nothing else away from this episode, I want you to remember these three things. First, organic growth is free traffic. You do not have to pay for these people to find you. This is great if you are working with a small or non-existent advertising budget. I highly recommend you use sponsored ads at some point in your journey, but it doesn't have to be on day one. Two, growing an organic audience before you have products and services can help people to know you like you, and trust you in advance, you'll find on your entrepreneurial journey that this is going to be so important for you as you grow. And then third, select a social media and content channel strategy where your audience actually hangs out so that you have a better chance for success. Thank you again for hanging out with me this week. I think it's pretty amazing that you've chosen me to be a small piece of your entrepreneurial journey. And let me tell you, I don't take that lightly. In fact, I'd love to keep the conversation going to learn more about you and your experiences and your wants and your needs and and everything. Head on over to the podcast show notes. You'll find a link to my community, the Skill Investing Insiders. In the Insiders community, you'll find those mini mastermind teach it Tuesdays that I told you about where I go live and I talk tactics and other business tools that I don't always do on the podcast. This gives me a chance to interact with you so much more. Thank you. And I hope you have an amazing week where you're planning and investing your skills. I'll talk to you later.